Welcome to the Ohio Ministry Network podcast. The following audio was recorded at the 2014 Synergy Conference held in Gahanna, Ohio at Pathway Church. For more information, please visit our website, ohioministry.net. Appreciate you guys all coming out, guys and ladies, coming out today for this presentation. As you said, I'm uh, Lee Colgrove. I've been with the Strongsville Police Department going on 25 years now. Uh, where this basic program comes from, uh, we, after Sandy Hook, our schools come running to us going, what can we do, what can we do? We, this is designed for our schools and our school district. Another officer and myself, uh, Christ put it on our heart to, that this needs to be going out to our churches, our businesses, anywhere where there's a congregation of people. Uh, anyone here have a question on what you think we're going to cover today or what you want to cover today? Okay. Uh, at the end of the session, I'll be here for questions, uh, to answer any questions you may have, but to make sure you're here for what you want. Uh, more important than just the PowerPoint presentation, it's just you guys being here and you guys working with each other. We're all in this together. So we have to count on each other and the relationships you build with the people next to you. You might be in different churches, but build those relationships now and build that Christian attitude, and it helps go a long way with the program as well and what, why we're here today. Uh, we do have this audio tape that will be online with the Ohio Ministry Network, uh, the tape recording in that. Uh, unfortunately, the PowerPoint will not be uh, we do not put the PowerPoint out for general public to get to a site. You have to come to a class. There's information on the PowerPoint that if you're not just reading it, you may take it out of context and actually put yourself in harm's way instead of using it for the benefit in that. But uh, I just want to start off with a word of prayer. Just bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today, Lord Jesus, for this time that we can gather, Lord. We thank you for your presence in our life. We thank you for everything you do for us, Lord Jesus. Lord, we recognize you that you are our ultimate protector, Lord Jesus, that we rely our faith and our life onto you, Lord Jesus. But we also realize, Lord, that we have a responsibility to ourselves, our family, our churches, and those around us to use our wisdom and knowledge and the stuff that you give us, Lord, to take a responsibility and an action to help protect ourselves as well, Lord Jesus. So we ask as we present here today, Lord Jesus, that you just open eyes and give these people wisdom, Lord, and what they see, that they have something they can take back to their churches, they can take back to their homes, and that they can apply in real life if a real tragic situation would happen to be upon them, Lord Jesus. We just thank you again for everything you've done, and we just ask your blessings. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay. As I started to explain, this stems from a long a history. I've been in police work for 25 years. We've seen this train coming down the tracks for a long time. We've seen Columbine. We've seen these tragedies in the schools, the theaters, churches, malls. And it's not slowing down. It's getting more and more frequent. 
A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffering for it. People, we're at a time today we just cannot stick our heads in the sand and ignore what's going on around us. We can't ignore the violence that's partaking in our schools, churches, and community. We now have to take action. We have to do something about it. And that's where this course stems from. I'm going to do some Bible verses. We're going to lay out, you know, different from the school and the churches, we put a, a Bible aspect to it. And you're going to hear me refer to some of these Bible verses and why we're doing what we're doing. But it says in Nehemiah, those who carried materials did their work with one hand and a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. And whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there, our God will fight for us. And you'll hear me talking about sounding the trumpet, sounding the alarm. We have to be prepared. Job said, if the Armenians are too strong for me, then you are to come to my rescue. But if the Armenites are too strong for you, then I will come to your rescue. Be strong and let us fight bravely for our people and critics of our God. The Lord will do what is good in his sight. You're going to come to this class now and you're going to go back as the shepherds of your church. There are people who cannot fend for yourself in their church. You are now the shepherds. Take care of the sheep. You've got children. You've got elderly. And I trust that the Lord's going to be behind us in whatever we do. When this, if this situation were to come, I know God has my back. And if I do what I'm supposed to do, God will take care of the rest. Again, it says, defend the cause of the weak, the fatherless, maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed, rescue the weak and needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. That's going to be our job now. We're the shepherds. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it in the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus already laid down his life for his sheep. He already did what he needed to do for our sake and our salvation. We are now going to be Christ-like and do what we got to do to protect our people and our congregations. Uh, you're going to hear me talk to about my house a lot, too. Uh, Jesus is very passionate about his house. Uh, when they had the things in the temple, he he yelled, stop turning my father's house into a market. Quoting Isaiah and Jeremiah, Jesus told them in no uncertain terms, my house will be a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. He was passionate about my house. And you're going to hear me talk about my house. My house is anywhere I am at now. I don't care if I'm at the mall, I'm at a restaurant, I'm in church, I'm at work. Whatever is around me is now my house. I am taking responsibility for my house. And I will protect my loved ones, my family, and the people around me. Because that's my house. You don't come into my house.
And again, Joshua said, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And that's what I believe we're doing. If if we're going to take this seriously, we're serving God. We're doing what Christ wants us to do. Now, this presentation is based off a Clearview Church. I did a based on this church alone. So some of the things you're going to see are going to be geared toward Clearview Church, but this transcends to any church building, mall, restaurant, movie theater, anywhere you're at. Like I said, wherever I'm at, that's my house. And what we're going to learn today can transcend to that's my house. Now, I brought this up for the Clearview Now, why are we doing this? We have kids in the clear, our children's ministry. We sponsor and we back our community a lot. Our Columbia Station football team, we go to all the games. We have fifth quarters. We do a lot of stuff. So we're bringing people into our house. It's our responsibility to protect them. And I'm sure most of your churches have functions with your youth. You have functions with the community. You're inviting people in. They may not be members of your church, but you're always inviting people in. And we have an obligation to protect those people as well. Uh, Presentation goals here, I want to enhance your response options. You all might have some ideas already in your head on what you, you would do. You might have had some training already. I don't know if anyone's been to Alice or any of these other trainings. We're not here to get rid of that. Keep that. We're going to enhance it. We're going to put a few more tools in your toolbox. We're going to enhance your self of awareness without creating a debilitating fear. I don't want anyone leaving here today fearful to go out in society, you know, fearful to be at their church. We want you to go out with a sense of awareness and a sense of confidence that you will be able to deal with what society has for us. And the last one is this I can do attitude. I want you to leave here going, I can do that. We're going to cover real quickly policies of weapons at your church, active shooter defined, lessons learned. We're going to look at some prior cases and timelines. It's very important, the timelines, and how quick these things can go down. Uh, What happens, your response options, that's the nuts and bolts of this whole presentation, is we're going to show you some things that you could do when it happens to best protect your people and your church. Uh, Information to give the operator, how the police is going to respond, some things to remember, Then we're going to go over some scenarios. Most of you probably remember, you remember the VHS tapes? You had to stick it in the box, you watch a movie. And you remember a part you really liked in the middle of the movie. What did you have to do? You had to hit stop, you had to hit rewind, and you would rewind some. Then you hit stop, you hit play, and you'd watch. Oh, that's not where that scene was, so you hit stop, rewind it. You keep doing that until you found the part that you were looking for. (laughs) That's how our brains work, people. When we come under stress, come under conflict, our brain is going to try to rewind and go back to something similar to that event to tell us how we need to respond. 
If we have nothing for our brain to go back to, then we freeze and we do nothing. Or go in self-preservation mode. So what we do with these scenarios and with this training, and then after you leave here, talk it up with each other, talk it up with your church, just puts a little imprint on your mind. It's a little bit of your memory. So if something would like this to happen again, your brain's going to rewind, and it's going to find something. I remember that training day. I remember what that officer told me to do. I remember these scenarios that we went through. And that's going to give you the ability to react and take action and do something in a quick, responsible way. I'll cover a couple things we can teach our kids, and then we'll do some questions and answers at the end here. You'll have to forgive my screen. The projector and my computer don't want to work together, so it's a little out of whack. But we save this for every presentation I do. Uh, it's Sir Robert Peel. He's father of modern-day policing. And he says, police at all times should maintain a relationship with the public that has given the reality to the historic tradition that the police are the public and the public are the police. The police are only members of the public who are paid to give full-time attention to the duties which are incumbent upon every citizen in the interest of community welfare and existence. We have kind of gotten away from that. People think they got to sit by idly and wait for the police to come in and handle a situation. But we're telling you now, the public is the police. We cannot be everywhere every time. You're going to have to take action, respond, especially in these situations when I get into timelines there's going to be two, three, five-minute delay before the police even get there. Okay, for the churches, by standard mandate and state law, churches are forbidden carry concealed permit zone. Unless place of worship permits it to allow now, I'm not here to tell the pastors to allow guns in your church or not to allow guns in your church. That is a decision you are going to have to make based on who you know is going to be carrying and everything like that. But you make that decision. A lot of bigger churches have security teams. They've got a lot of you know, police officers that attend, and they're part of their security team or... But that's up for each individual church to determine on what they want to do as far as security in their building, as far as weapons being present. I mean, all I can tell you with a CCW permit holder, you better know what his background is and training is before you allow him to bring a gun into your church. Because I know they do not get the training a police officer gets. They do not get weapon retention. They do not get judgment shoot, don't shoot scenarios, stuff, training like that. We're talking to split-second people that you have to make a decision. It's hard enough for police officers who've been on the job for 25 minutes to make that decision in a split second. 
So you better know the guy you're allowing to carry a gun in your church is capable of making that decision. Because if he's just a guy who went to the, the, the range and qualified and took a test and got a CCW permit, it doesn't mean he's qualified to carry a gun in reality-wise. If they are going to be carrying a weapon, if you're a police officer, you should have your forms of ID. I have two forms of ID. I got one on my wall. I got one around my neck. If something were to go down, they should be able to identify themselves readily because once something goes down, the police are on the way. And I don't want to be the guy holding my off-duty gun over the perpetrator and they think I'm the shooter. So I better be telling them I'm the police and have some ID readily available. But if you do have security teams, off-duty officers in your church, they should know that if they're carrying their gun, they have some, a badge or two with it. Some use walkies in their church for communication. It just depends on your church. But there's some things to consider. We're going to go into active shooter defined. Is any incident in which a person or persons armed with a deadly weapon is systematically, actively, and presently employing the weapon against innocent victims upon the police arrival. If people are dying upon our arrival, that's considered an active threat or active shooter. It's not to be confused with the hostage barricade terrorist situation. That's a guy who maybe came in, he's upset, he might be armed, he might take one of you hostage, take you in a back room, maybe threaten you, but no shots are being fired. The police are going to respond, they're going to form a perimeter, they're going to start negotiations. He may talk, I, I want 10 pepperoni pizzas and a round trip ticket to Cincinnati. You know, he's thinking big. That doesn't mean that cannot turn into an active shooter situation, because if shots do start to be fired, the police are immediately going to respond in. But there is a difference in how we would respond in an active shooter or a hostage-type situation. Uh, now we're going to get in some timelines. We picked some pretty common cases. You should all be aware of them. This is uh, Virginia Tech in 2007. Shin Hong Shu murders 32 people with two handguns. He fired 170 rounds in nine minutes. 30 killed or 3.3 people killed per minute, including the injured people. The other 25 that were injured, 6.1 people were shot every minute. That is one person every 10 seconds. It goes quick. It happens fast. That's why we need to respond. I can brag about Strongsville's response time, but I guarantee you we are not going to be there in 10 seconds. I could be in the building and I won't get to the other side in 10 seconds. This is a, a thing we pulled off the internet. It's called StopTheShooting.org. Every one of those little red dots is a mass shooting that occurred in the United States. Since I think 1995, I think that started. Every red dot means three or more people killed. 
including our Chardon High School, in which three students were murdered. In February 2012, the early morning at Chardon High School, Thomas Lane walked into the cafeteria. He fired 10 rounds with a 22 caliber revolver, killing three people and injuring two others. 22 seconds from the first shot to the last shot, people. That's how quick it happened. The only thing that stopped that from happening is that there was actually a teacher who confronted him, and he ran out of the building. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but these people are cowards, and they can't handle confrontation. December 2012, at Sandy Hook Elementary, Adam Lanza blasts his way into a building with a high-powered rifle, killed 20 children and 6 adults, including the principal who tried to stop him. They're saying recent studies now are saying that happened in 5 minutes or less. Stopping only when he heard and saw the police coming. As I explained, they cannot handle confrontation. These people are cowards. Over 50% of your active shooters will take their own life when they hear the police coming. In Houston, Texas, 
In April 2013, 21-year-old Dylan Quick stabs 15 people with a knife. So we're not just talking guns, people. We're talking anything that can kill. He's only stopped when another student bear hugs him and a second student tackles him both to the ground. It's the only thing that stopped him. So anything that is a substantial risk of ending a person's life is deadly force. So don't just think a weapon, a handgun, a rifle. I don't care if he has a machete, a bazooka, whatever he has. If he's taking human life with it, that is an active threat, and we have the right to respond and end that threat. The summary of this is sad, people. The reality is this is happening everywhere. Our churches, our schools, our malls, movie theaters, restaurants. It's happening everywhere. I don't know if you're familiar with Cracker Barrel up in the Cleveland area. Guy came in, shot three people. His wife and his two children in a domestic dispute. He had a single shot shotgun with a broken ejector that he had to stick around and shoot, crack it open, pull the round out, stick another round in and shoot. Chased the third, the second daughter all the way into the bathroom and shot her in the bathroom. Not one person in that entire restaurant responded. They all froze and watched him do it. I saw the video. It's sickening, people. Everyone was just in awe. They froze. They had nothing in their memory break to go back to. What, what am I supposed to do when something like this happens? And they froze. I truly believe while he's reloading his gun, I had enough time to close 10, 12 feet and take him out with a chair if I had to. He might have got one off, but he's not getting the rest off. Ron Borsch of the Southeast Training Academy He's an expert on this. He writes many books, but he calls this the stopwatch of death, that people are dying every few seconds. And we're racing the stopwatch of death here. Now, some of you may be familiar with our traditional lockdowns, what the schools came up with after Columbine. We're going to close the door, turn off the lights, all huddle in a corner, and hope the intruder doesn't come into our room. The entire strategy depends on the inability of the intruder to find them or get into the room and the ability of the police of getting there and stopping them before he does. I'm not telling you to throw that out, but it doesn't work all the time. Virginia Tech, he went into four classrooms. Two classrooms did exactly what they were told to do in the lockdown drill. They closed the door, they all huddled in a corner. He came in the room and shot every single one in the room. 95% of the deaths happened in those two classrooms. The other two classrooms, they decided we're going to at least try to barricade the door. And two people were backed up against the door. He shot through the door and ended up killing them. The other two actually laid on the ground with their feet on the door. He couldn't get in the door right away, and he walked away. Everybody in that room survived just because they did something. you got to go a little bit extra. 
the bottom line is the lockdown is one option, but it's not the final option. It does not work when someone is actively killing our kids, our congregants, and our churches, our businesses. Uh, this is a resource that we kind of go off of. This whole program's kind of geared between this FEMA IS-907, Alice training, and some other stuff we came up with and, and been trained on. But this is available to you online. If you want to follow up, you can just Google IS-907. It'll come up. You can take this online. It's a 45-minute course you take. You take a test. You get a certificate. But it's a good introduction on some options and some things that we discussed today. So if you want to take that back to your congregations and have some of your people at least start off with this, they're going to get some basic knowledge on some options that they have. Now, when I started the police academy, we were taught from day one as police officers we can either fight or flight. Most of the time, we're fighting. We're the police. We're the ones running to gunshots. There may be a time for us to back up a little bit. Maybe I need to wait for some backup. So I'm going to come back a little bit, wait till I got some more troops to help me out. But it is never okay to freeze. That's when people die, people get hurt. I mentioned ALICE. Anyone aware of the ALICE program? Anyone been through the ALICE program? It's a program that came up right when these shootings got more popular. We're going to cover most of them in this class, the hide, the take action, and the evacuate. Uh, ALICE also talks about the alert. That's sounding of the trumpet, people. Someone comes in this room with the gun. We need to alert people. We're going to yell, gun! So everybody in this room knows there's a threat. We're going to alert the police. If you've got an intercom system in your schools or your churches, you're going to alert the whole building. There's a man with a gun by the front office, and that's going to start the alert part and give us options that I'll discuss in a minute. Second is inform. We need to start informing the police. How many are there? What's he look like? Where he's at? If I got an intercom system, I got cameras in my building and I can watch them on camera, I'm going to be announcing that over the intercom system so the people in the building can pick what option is best for them. What are you doing in room 202? You over by the kitchen, put the gun down. But what's that doing? If I'm by the kitchen, I hear that. I know that someone with a gun's by the kitchen. I'm going to pick my option real quick. And the closer in percent, the closer in proximity he is to where I am, the narrower my options are. Cooper was a Marine. He came up with the color code of readiness. 
Wait is basically non-existent. Wait would be, I'm in my house, it's 9 o'clock at night, I got the front door locked, I'm reading a good book, or watching something on TV, and I am totally oblivious to what's around me. I don't have a care in the world. I don't even hear my wife telling me to do the dishes or anything. I'm just, uh, just lost in myself. That may be okay when you're in your house behind locked doors. But as soon as you step out of your house, we need to move the conditioned yellow. We have to have a general awareness and alertness around ourselves. We can no longer walk around society with our heads down and not pay attention to what's going on around us. The federal government come up with, you see something, tell someone. You see something suspicious, you've got to tell someone. You've got to act on it. You've got to do something about it. A little thing I give to show the different conditions. Uh, if you're like me, it's Christmas time. I'm doing my shopping at the last minute. And I run into the mall, and I run out of the mall, and I got my bags. I'm all happy. I don't know how many done it, but you step out of that mall, and for that split second, you go, I don't even know where I parked my car. I'm in condition one. I'm oblivious to where I am. I let the distractions around me get to me. But now I'm in condition yellow. Oh, yeah, my car's right down there. So I'm gonna, And I teach this to my wife, and I teach this to women's classes on personal safety. So you start walking to your car. I never teach anyone to walk straight to your car. My car's over there. I'm going to come a little angle. I'm going to be looking around me. I'm going to be in condition yellow. I'm going to be alert to my surroundings. I'm going to make sure no one's standing by my car that looks suspicious. So as I'm walking to my car, I see some shadows behind my car. So I'm alert, and I see that. So now I might go up to orange. I might get a little more specific, because now I want to know what those shadows are. So I might slow down my walk. I might take a little... I might duck a little, I might look a little. Well, I don't know about malls around your place, but our mall has like 8 million geese. So it's just these pesky geese all by my car. So I can go back to yellow. But let's say as I start peeking, I see a pair of shoes and a couple legs. I don't know why that guy's standing next to my car like that. He hasn't moved for 60 seconds now. So now I'm in condition orange. I have a plan in mind. I'm not going to go to my car. I decide, you know what, I'm going to go back in the mall. I'm going to find one of those nice security guards and ask him if he can walk me out to my car because something just didn't seem right. So you start walking back into the mall. Well, now you start hearing some footsteps coming and you look over your shoulder and there's strange guys coming towards you. So you might start picking up pace to get back in the mall. Now he starts running after you. Well, now you better be in condition red. Now you've got to have a real plan. You've got to be ready to take action. You have to have something in your mind. If this guy catches me, what am I going to do? I teach all the women to carry their keys protruding through their fingers. 
He catches you. He grabs you. You're going to turn around. You're going to strike at his face, his throat, and his eyes. Everything's off the table, people. When you are attacked, everything's off the table. You do what you got to do to protect yourself and get out of that situation. But you're in condition red. You have a plan. You know. I'm running towards the building. I'm screaming and yelling for help. I'm making a commotion. But if this guy catches me before I get to safety, I have a plan in mind. I'm going to go the eyes, throat, face region. It's one of the most vulnerable areas a person has. So if you can get him to let go of you because you jabbed him in the eye, once he lets go, then you continue in the building. You get to safety. Cooper recently updated his webpage, and I like this more. You're either oblivious to what's around you, you're aware, you're alert, or you're totally engaged. But you're going to hear me talk about these levels of readiness because this is what we need to be now. So here we are, Sunday morning. These are your Sunday morning greeters. They're all smiling, happy. Yes, sir. So you get Darth Vader comes to your church. He's new. We put a mask on him. We didn't want his identity known because he goes to that particular church and we didn't want everyone going, oh, I remember you. You're the bad guy. So we... But here's a new guy coming to your church. You're going to greet him. You're going to be Christ-like. But as you greet him, you notice something. You're in level yellow. You're aware of your surroundings. Does anyone tell me anything different about dark there? We got a big bulge over here. Now, I don't know what that is yet. I can assume it's a gun. He might be diabetic and have one of those diabetic machine things people have to wear. He might be an off-duty police officer. We're not going to throw him out of the church, but you got to have a plan. Your ushers, your greeters, your people need to be trained. What are we going to do? Someone comes to our church, and I think he has a weapon. You're going to engage him. I'm not talking tack him, but in a Christ-like way. Hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you here. Come on in. What do you do for a living? And start communicating with him. He might say, oh, yeah, I'm a police officer. I work in the next city over. Oh, Okay. So that's probably why it looks like you got a gun on. Yeah, that's, that's my off-duty gun. But at least now you know he's probably a good guy. He might say, and you never do it alone. This is where the training comes in. You're going to take at least two greeters and engage him. You may bring him inside and introduce him to a third people. So if he is a bad guy, you've got three people immediately around him. So if he starts to do anything funny, you, you have to act on it. But you're just going to engage him. You're going to talk to him. Hey, I noticed the, the thing on your side there. Uh, I don't know if you're aware because you're a first-time visitor, but our church doesn't allow carry concealed permit holders in our building. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm a carry, carry concealed permit holder. But you're going to resolve it. But because you're being aware, 
You know how to deal with it. All right, we're going to jump into our response options now. This is the nut and bolts. The first one is the evacuation option. When you hear gunshots in the area, you have to have an escape route, escape route in mind. Everyone hates me because I give homework when I do my classes. Your first homework assignment is to go back to your churches, your businesses, the places where you're at. What are your escape options? If there was an active shooter in your building, how can I get out? Where does that go? Can I get out the back door? And after I get out the back door and run through the field, are there fences in my way to get to safety? Or... But you've got to have an escape plan. Leave everything behind. Unless, and we kept this in here. We were all gathered around trying to figure out, this is when we did the schools, you know, what do we have readily available that could be to our advantage in the schools? And we left this here. So, uh, you know, if you have kids in school or grandkids in school, you, know, you can pass this information on. But here's a ballistic test we did on a book bag with a couple books in it. We thought that was cool. I brought the books. There's the first book. Little hole in the middle, in the front, big hole in the back. That's the second book. We taped right to the book. Never penetrated the second book. Now, we're not saying go to your children and grandchildren and say, you know, little Jimmy, when some guy comes in and starts winging bullets at you, put your book bag on because it may save your life. We don't want to scare them. But in a loving, kind way, you can just say, you know what, if something happens at school, don't worry about taking your book bag off, just leave it on and run like the dickens. Because that book bag covers the main mass area of your back, your fatal areas, if you do get shot, and it may save someone's life someday. I don't know. I didn't have the heart to shoot a Bible. We thought about it, because we're teaching churches. What ballistic value does a Bible have? Or if we had two Bibles, or a Bible and a hymnal, would it stop penetration of a bullet? Yes, sir. I give God the credit for that one, people. 
Yeah, I mean, a Bible's a thousand pages. It's thinner pages, but we just couldn't we found it sacrilegious to shoot a Bible just to see. Uh, for the 9mm fans, we shot it with a 9mm, 45mm. We shot it with ball ammo. We shot it with hollow points. Nothing went through these books. You're going to help others escape if possible. You're going to warn and prevent individuals from entering. Don't just take off out the room and run down the hall and not tell anybody. You're going to help them. Hey, come with me. There's a guy with a gun inside. If you're at the mall and you're running out because there's a guy with a gun inside the mall, don't let people in the parking lot walking up to the door walk into the building. Tell them, don't go in there. There's a guy with a gun. If you're evacuating and you run into these, they come from those. You may be running to the shooter. You might want to think twice about that route. You come to a building, you see that. All that is is some of these carabiners you see all the kids have now. They hold your keys and everything else. This is what he did in Virginia Tech. He chained all the doors closed so the people inside couldn't get out and the police couldn't get in. So if you're going anywhere and you see that as you approach, I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a bad day. Something good is not going to happen from that. You need to alert someone, call the police, start getting the ball rolling because doors aren't bound shut for no reason at all. As you're evacuating, do not attempt to move wounded people. I understand this can be hard for some to leave a person injured behind. But every second people are getting shot and going down. You do not have the time to stop. If I stop and bend over to help someone, I guarantee you three people are going to trip over me. And then you're just going to have a pile up in the hallway. And everyone's at risk of getting injured. You're going to keep your hands visible. You're going to follow police instruction. If we're arriving on the scene, you're going to call 911 when safe. Let me give you a quick little tip. We all carry cell phones these days, right? If you call 911 on your cell phone, it does not go to the police department. It goes to a cellular collection agency. So depending on where you're at in the state, they've got various agencies, and you're going to get an operator to go, 911, what's your emergency and where is it at? And then you're going to have to explain to them, i got a guy with a gun at Pathway Church. And where's Pathway Church? It's in Gehanna. Okay, hold on. I'll transfer you. And then they're going to transfer you to the Gehanna Police Department. What did we just waste, people? Time. We just saw seconds. People are getting killed every 10 seconds. I guarantee you, you will waste a minimum of 30 seconds, sometimes up to a minute, getting it transferred to the police department. 
If you call from a landline, that's any phone wired into the wall, it'll go straight to the police department. If you're calling from your cell phones, it's going to go to this collection agency. So what I tell people to do, and this is for Clearview, is the Lorain County Sheriff's Department, because that's the police agency that has jurisdiction where we're at. But wherever your church is at, find out what police department is going to respond if you have an incident. And then program that police department's phone number into your phone and stick it on speed dial. So instead of calling 911 and wasting time, you hit speed dial, you go right to the Gahanna Police Department, and you're telling them right there firsthand what's going on, and they're getting people in, in route right away. I mean, in Strongsville, we tell our business, schools, and community that we will probably have the first officer through the door within two to three minutes. And that's pretty good response time. But that's two to three minutes that you guys are on your own. You have to come up with a plan. You have to do something to buy time till we get there. And depending on where your church is, I know our church in Clearview, that response time is probably five to ten minutes because we're on the far corner of the county and we have to call the county SO. So the nearest cop could be 10, 15 miles away from us. Why do we need to see your hands? Correct. We need to get to the shooter and we need to stop the threat as soon as possible. By you coming out and we can clear you as the shooter, that means I can get in there and stop the shooter quicker. If I got to stop every single person running out of that building to make sure they're not the shooter or make sure they're not a threat to me, you're costing me time. So if you come out, give us some heads up. You know, he's, he's back there. He's back by the kitchen. But let us know you are not the threat to us. As I explained, we have to make split-second decisions here. The second option is the hide option. This is more like the traditional lockdown option. We're going to throw a little bit extra onto it, though. You're going to hide. You're going to get out of the active shooter's view. You're going to lock and barricade. I'm not just going to lock that door. I'm going to throw everything in this room in front of it. If he's going to get through that door, he needs to get through these couches and all these tables and chairs, too. 95% of the time, he's not going to bother. He's looking for quick and easy targets. If he has to fight to get to a target, he's just going to bypass it. Talk a little bit about bouncing bullets. I noticed this, brook, this building has block and cinder walls, long hallways. If I shoot at a wall with a 50-degree angle or more, that bullet's going to hit the wall, come out about 6 to 8 inches, and it will travel completely down the length of the wall until it hits something to stop it. So if you're evacuating, don't run right up against the wall. If you're cutting into a room, do so quickly. Or if you're at a T intersection or you're cutting somewhere. But it's just something to be aware of. 
is those bullets will go until it hits another wall or hits another person. Just something stops it. Don't forget about your windows. Now, we got a couple exits here, but if the threat was over here, we're going to have a funnel trying to get out the doors. But I see a lot of windows. I guarantee you, if you go with the table first, right through the window, you can get out a lot quicker. I'm in a restaurant, and you'll notice me. I'm the one in the back with my back to the wall and watching the entranceway because cops are wired that way. We're aware of our surroundings, but I have an escape route in mind. No, is there an exit? If there's no exit door by me, I know there's always a window by me. And if someone comes in shooting, I guarantee you the table or chair is going through the window and my family's getting out safely. My house. I told you, my house is anywhere I'm at. I am going to protect my house. can hide behind large items. Be aware of concealment and cover. Concealment is I can't see you, but it will not stop a bullet if they shoot through it. I can stand behind this thing here, but I guarantee you it probably won't stop a bullet. Cover is something that they won't see you, and it will stop a bullet. If I'm in a behind that brick wall, I'm behind cover now. Bullets aren't going through a brick wall. It's not going through a cinder wall. If all you got is concealment, then that's all you got. You got to make do with what you got. But know the difference. Go back to your churches. What's concealment? What's cover? What are my options? You're going to prepare to take action. You're going to get ready for the next step, which is the fight option. I'm not just going to barricade the door and then sit with my hands in my pocket and go, whew, we're safe now. Door's barricaded. I'm going to improvise weapons. You're going to call 911 when it's safe, but you're going to be ready in case he gets through that door. Here's some examples. That was our sanctuary. I did that in about a minute myself without wanting to damage the furniture, but there was a real shooter, we'd just be heaving the chairs in front of the door. Now that may not stop him. If he gets through the door, he still has to fight through the chairs. And while he's doing that, our people are still exiting the building. It's going to give us that much more time to get out of that sanctuary through the other exit. Here's some other examples of other churches. That's one of our elementary schools. I don't think anyone's getting through that. There's our concealment and cover again. We took your basic table we found in our schools. You find these in your churches. I guarantee these tables have no ballistic value to them whatsoever. We shot it with a 22, 45, and 9 millimeter. Every single thing went through. So even if you think it's a good cover, it may not be. All this is pressed particle board. And there's our little 45 hole. 
So I imagine you're going to be ready to take action. This is when we get to the win mindset. People, I'm going to tell you right now, now is the time you need to get and look at yourself in the mirror and determine what you're capable of doing. Because this is when it's going to get dirty. It's going to get ugly. And you got to decide, can I do that? I decided 25 years ago when I went in law enforcement. But that's just the way cops are wired. We're, we're running the gunshot. We want to get in the fight. You're going to have a win mindset. You're going to be scared in place. You're going to be locked down. You're going to have your barricade. Now you're going to position for the attack. He's determined to get to that door. You're going to improvise weapons. Another homework assignment. Go look around your churches and buildings. What do I have that I could use as a weapon? We found it funny after we, we taught our entire school district, we went back and did intruder drills, and you're, I was amazed on how many baseball bats and seven irons showed up in the classrooms. And that's fine with me. You want to put that bat up on a nice little display stand if the kids ask? No, that's my Jim Tomey autographed baseball bat. I remember the day he signed that for me. That means a lot to me. And that's what the kids need to know. But in the back of his head, if someone comes through that door to hurt my kids, he's getting a Louisville slugger across the noggin. The seven iron. Yeah, I hit a hole in one with that. I'm never using it again unless there's an active threat. You gotta forget the victim mindset. Young man from our church, he's in the right position. I told him, find a weapon. He found this big steel thing to the drum set. I don't know where he got it from. But I guarantee you, someone comes through that door and he hits him over the head with that big steel thing, he's gonna feel it. These are some from our schools. They got chairs. Arm comes in, that arm's mine. And last is the fight option. That's when there's no options left. He's already in this room. You can't barricade and lock down. You can't evacuate. He's already here. You're going to yell, gun! you got to let people know. He may be in this room, but I want the people across the parking lot to know. you got to sound the trumpet. You're going to throw items at the murderer's head. You're going to swarm them, tackle them, take them down. Grab his weapon. Here's an example. Some others. It's going to be ugly, people. There's, there's no right way to do this. There's no polite way to do this. We talked to our self-defense instructor. He's one of the top instructors in the state. He does that MMA and karate and all that stuff. And we said, Brian, what can I tell these people? 
what can we tell these people to do to take out someone with a gun? And he, without even thinking, goes, it's simple. You lower your shoulder, you tackle them as hard as you can hit them, and envision driving them through the concrete. He said 70% of the time, the gun's going to come flying out of his hand as soon as you hit him. You're just going to take him out. The other 30%, you get some of your buddies, they'll get the gun for you. But now's the time to think about it. Now's the time you need to make that commitment. You can't go half-heartedly after these people. And if you've got to decide at that moment, am I going to tackle them, am I not, am I going to do this, well, then it's too late. So you've got to go home, you've got to look at yourself in the mirror and go, am I capable of doing that? So if it happens, you already know. I already know what I'm going to do. And I know God has my back. But you're going to lay on his extremities, his core. You're going to control his head and neck. Your body never goes anywhere without your head. So you control his head, his body ain't going far. You're going to place a weapon in a trash can. Why we put it in a trash can? Anyone have an idea why we put the weapon in a trash can? Who's on the way? Right, the police are on the way. And again, don't make my job harder for me, people. i got to make a split-second decision. I see a bunch of people in a pileup. I see someone holding a gun over them. I have to make a decision. Is that the threat? Did they take control of them? Is that an innocent person? Empty the trash out of the trash can, you put the gun in the trash can, you know what, you're in charge of the trash can. That person's in charge of the trash can. you got to work as a team. What time is it? Any questions up to this point? We're going to take a break before we get into the next session. We're coming about on our time anyhow. We'll take a quick break, so restrooms are in the back there. But if you have any questions, I'll be up here to answer them. Uh, what is it, 11.20 we come back? I've heard of them. I don't know if I've ever been to any of their trainings. So, no. something happening that might be just not off, not off right and you begin to think about the things that you're picking up here. Uh, I'm, my name is Jim Hurst. I'm, I'm the host of uh, Pastor Clearview Church in Columbia Station. This is the second session for the active shooter training course. Those of you that weren't here in the first course, can I see your hands please? Okay. Well, we're glad you're here. <clears throat> we're glad you're here. 
<coughs> excuse me, uh, you'll, you'll catch up or you'll catch on. You missed a, quite a bit of information, but I understand where you're at. That's okay. Uh, we're just glad you're here. Uh, this course is being taught by Sergeant Lee Colgrove from Strongsville City Police Department. He's a board member at our church. He taught this course to our church and to a number of uh, pastors in our area. Uh, it's helped us prepare and get our church somewhat uh, safe, building safe in a sense. It's given us some great ideas and some avenues and ways to think about safety, not only for myself as a pastor, but for the church, for the children, and for the, for the people that come into your church and your community. So it's a great time. It's a great learning tool. And I know this session is going to get a little more active. We'll have a little more fun. Uh, so just... Uh, Hang on, hold on tight, and uh, I'll turn it back over to Lee Colgrove, and he can take session two and begin with it right now. Thank you. Those of you just joining us, welcome. A quick review, if you missed it, we talked about some options. If there's an active shooter, you got to evacuate. You can hide, barricade. And then there's the fight option. If they're right there, you don't have time to do the others. You're going to have to take action and fight. We've talked about fighting. And again, this is a decision you're going to have to come up with, with yourself if you're capable. If you think you're capable of tackling an armed person. No, I'm not God. I can't guarantee you're not going to get hurt. My belief is I have less of a chance getting hurt tackling them than just being shot in the back. If he is right here in my face, I can turn and try to run, but I'm just going to get shot in the back. Or I can do something proactive, try to distract them, take them down, and protect everyone around me. As we talked about, it's my house. I don't care where I'm at. That's my house. I take responsibility for what's around me and the people around me. So you can take that back to your churches. If you're in your church, that's your house. You're going to take responsibility for your house. We got to tackling him, taking down the armed intruder. Now I'm going to teach you how to disarm him if the gun did not come out. Uh, Pastor Jim, you went way in the back again? Pastor Jim, go. He stepped out. Okay, I'll use someone else. Okay. Could you just verify this is empty? There's no bullets. There's nothing in it. Yes, sir. It's a standard 22 caliber revolver. Yes, sir. Okay. This is a 22 revolver. Now, those of you with gun knowledge, I don't mean to talk down to you, but I have to talk to the whole group, and some people may not know that much about guns. The way the revolver works, it has a big cylinder, and when you pull the trigger, that cylinder rotates, and then the hammer drops, and that's what fires the gun. Wherever the barrel's pointed, that's where the bullet's going to go. So it's called the laser principle. What we're going to do, if a person has a revolver, and you've taken them to the ground now, and you're holding them down, and you got them, but he's just not letting go of the gun. You're just going to reach right over the whole top of the frame and just grab it just like that. We're going to keep this simple. There's no fancy method or anything. I'm going to grab it like that. When I grab it like that, the gun will no longer fire because I locked up that cylinder from spinning to load a new round. So now he can't fire the gun. 
Some people say, what if the gun's already cocked? I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to grab it, and I'm just going to stick my finger where the hammer goes. If he pulls the trigger, you might feel a little pinch. I guarantee at the moment, you probably ain't going to feel a thing. But it'll keep that hammer from coming down and discharging a bullet. Then you're going to grab the butt of the gun, and you're going to pull it so the barrel goes downwards. Remember the laser principle. If I pull it this way, what might happen? Gonna, might shoot me, might shoot someone else. If I pull it down like this, and I start stripping it out of his hand, and it goes up, what's going to happen? I might shoot the bad guy. Who cares? You brought the gun into my house. You get what you get. You came to my house and you threatened my people, my loved ones, my congregation, my children, the children in the children's wing. So I never worry about the bad guy. He gets what he gets. And then you're going to strip it right out of his hand. And then, like I said, goes in the trash can. You're the keeper of the gun. Now, this is a semi-automatic. This is a 45. It has a red handle. This is a training gun. The firing pin's been removed from it. We use it for training purposes only. But again, if you could just verify that it's unloaded, there's nothing in there. And just verify that these are just plastic bullets. They're not real bullets. They're just plastic. Okay. Now how this gun works, you put the bullets in, that's the fuel. When that slide goes forward, it is now loaded. There's a bullet in the chamber. You're going to do the same thing. You're going to grab it by the top of the frame. Only difference is one round will go off. So now it's more important to make sure that barrel, that laser principle, is pointing in a safe direction. So when you've got them on the ground, you make sure it's pointing towards the wall and there's no people there. You're going to do the same thing. You're going to grab the gun. You're going to start twisting it down and pulling it out. Now my finger might be in there. His finger might be in there. What might happen to that finger? You're going to break it. Again, who cares? You should have brought that gun into my house. One way or another, you're going to get the gun. Now, if you still can't get the gun, you call a buddy over and you just start stomping on his arm and his wrist until he gives up the gun. He has already threatened your life. You have the authority to do whatever it takes to get that gun from him. I don't care if you break his arm, his finger. I don't care if he gets shot in the process. No, I grew up as a kid and I was taught to be kind and polite. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Respect my elders. 
I'm sure we all were taught that way. But I'm giving you permission right now, if someone comes in here, an active threat to kill you, I give you permission to fight. You no longer have to be kind and polite. You don't have to say, please, sir, may I have that gun? I'm taking the gun, whether you like it or not. And if you get hurt in the process, too bad. You shouldn't have came into my house with a gun to hurt my people. You've got to have that mindset. When I look at it, it's going to be not today. I'm sorry, not today, people. You're not going to come in here and hurt my kids in the children wing. You're not going to come in my place, my house, and hurt my family. It's not going to happen today. And that's the attitude we need to have going from now on out. And I give you permission to fight when you need to fight. The rest of the time, be kind and polite and Christ-like. But if someone brings a threat into your house, you have the right legally, by state law, to fight and stop that threat by any means necessary to stop the threat. Here's some examples. Piled on them. Again, he's controlling the head. Your body doesn't go where your head doesn't go. Not going to be pretty. Going to be ugly. People are just going to be jumping and grabbing pieces and parts of body and hanging on to them. But you're going to maintain control of the shooter till the police arrive. Do not let them up. You're going to call 911 when safe and let us know. We now have control of the shooter. The more information the police have coming in, the better we can do our job. And again, I don't have to make those split decisions. If I know that they have them pinned down when I come into that room, at least I know who's pinned down. You can provide first aid to anyone injured now. Do not pick up the weapon unless... Who can tell me a reason why I might want to go back in the trash can and take that weapon out? Could be another shooter. What if the guy you're holding down is overpowering you? You might not have ten people piling on them. You might not have that option. It might just be two of you. I've dealt with people. It's an effective way. But I'll tell you right now, I've been part of people either on drugs, alcohol, or just superhuman where there's been three, four, five cops having a trouble controlling them. they got some strength from who knows what. So if he starts breaking free, he's already proven to be a threat. He's already taken a life. He's already shot someone. You are justified to take that gun out and end it right then and there. He is not going to get another weapon. He's not going to hit another person. So if you got to end it, you end it. Then you stick the gun back in the trash can until the police arrive. But that's a decision you need to make now. Could, could I do that? 
if I had to, could I shoot another human being? Because if it comes to that moment and that time and you're trying to decide then, it's not going to happen. Information they give the 911 operator. You're going to let them know the location of the shooter, how many there are. In almost all incidents, it's one shooter, but Columbine had more than one. Jonesboro, Arkansas had two. So it can't be more than one. So if there's more than one, let them know. Give a physical description, the number and type of weapons. Now, I don't need you to go... He had a Smith & Wesson 45 Model 86. All I need to know is, did he have a handgun or did he have a long gun? Because if he has a rifle, it's going to drastically affect the way we're going to approach. Because my bulletproof vest will not stop a 2-2-3 round. It will go through me and the three officers standing behind me before it stops. Number of potential victims. While all this is going on, they're going to start getting a triage unit. We're going to start using mutual aid. They're going to start getting squads in, in the area. They will not come in until the active shooter stops. But once we stop the active shooter, we need to know how many ambulances are we going to need, what type of equipment we're going to need at the scene. Again, if you weren't here earlier, if you missed the first section, I talked about your cell phone. Uh, program your local police department and your cell phone and your speed dial. Again, if you call 911 from a cell phone, that call will be delayed 30 seconds to a minute before it gets to the police department because it doesn't go directly to a police department. All right, now we'll see how well you pay attention. There's a shooter outside in the hall. What are you going to do? Barricade the door. Very good. Any other? Yell gun. Sound the, the trumpet. We're going to sound the trumpet. We've got to let people know. We've got escape route, evacuation. we got doors we can get out of. Again, know your building. No, if he's outside that door, I'm not running out that door because it's a straight shot down the hallway, so i got to know my building. But, yeah, I can go out here and down the steps. I can go out a back way, but you've got to know your ways. Now we're going to do a little exercise. Who can I have? Sir, can you come up and volunteer me, please? And Pastor Jim, if you want to come up here, I'll have you assist me with this. First of all, this verify this is just a plastic gun. There's, there's, there's no bullets. Nothing can fire from it. Okay, this is, again, just a training gun. What we did is put a laser sight on it. You can all see the red arrow, the little red dot. That's the laser principle. 
Where that dot is pointed, that's where the bullet's going to go. Well, I'm going to ask you, what's your name, sir? Joe. Joe? Okay. Everyone say hi to Joe. Hi, Joe. All right. We appreciate you helping us out, Joe. What I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have Pastor Jim take you out in the hall, and then you're going to come into this room. I want you to walk up to this blue spot here, and then just pretend you're shooting people. Put the laser on someone, next person, next person. What I want you to do is count in your head how many people you hit. Okay, we're going to count cl class till 10. We'll count out loud for him. We'll count to 10, and then we'll figure out how many he got. All right, that's you want to just take them out that. We're not going to do anything. We're going to sit like good little sheep like we've been taught. We're going to sit like we're froze because we haven't been trained yet and we don't know what to do. And it's a little disheartening just to sit here and watch, even if we know it's a fake gun and it's a laser. But what I want you to do is just watch and kind of count with them and see where the laser goes and all that. Okay? And once he gets up in here, we'll uh, start counting. Okay, Pastor Jim. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, come on up here, Joe. How many did you get? 20. 10 seconds, 20 people dead. He got one of those whippy 9 millimeters that hold like 25 rounds. <laughs> Stand up here, Joe. We ain't done with you yet. <laughs> okay, so he got 20 people just sitting around. How'd that feel just sitting there being shot at? Don't feel good? Did you feel it? All right, this time what we're going to do is don't, don't take off. I need to hear. I need to put some safety goggles on. I don't want to hurt anybody. But this time I got, it's a softball. It's a tennis ball. It's a softball. But I'm going to let you know, I'm going to be fair and let you know, when you come in the door and start shooting, I'm going to throw this ball at you. Okay? Now, one class I did this, and I hit him right in the head, and the ball bounced back, and I caught it in my hand. I can't guarantee I can do that again, but I'm going to try, okay? Nothing to worry about, Joe. Okay, if you want to go out past the gym, I'll call when uh, we're, we're ready here. Go, go talk to him. Tell him how good my aim is. Start passing these out. Pass them through. Pass them through. No, you don't have to open them. Just throw the whole bag at them. They're just filmed with foam. We're going to use the Word of God to defend ourselves. These are all Bible cases filled with foam. Who needs a tennis ball? 
Okay, this time when he comes in, we're going to yell gun, and the people with stuff is going to throw it at him. Okay? Don't throw it hard. We kind of like Joe. We don't want to hurt Joe. So we're not whipping it as hard as we can, but just throw it up in the air to distract him. You can move a little bit if you want. We're not, I'm going to have one guy just kind of get up and, and not tackle him, but just kind of grab him by the arm. Do you have a thing to throw? Okay, when he comes up, if you could just get up. Just don't tackle him. Just kind of grab him by the arm like a sim light you're going to tackle him. Those of you who don't have objects, just watch the laser on the gun. See how many people he gets it at and see what it does when we distract him, okay? You guys ready? All right. Got to warm up a little. Good, good. All right. Come up here, Joe. Thank you, Joe. How many do you think you got, Joe? One, if that. One, if that. Who was watching the laser of the gun? What did it do? It was all over the place. So we went from 20 people to one. Go ahead, whip that up here. We have done that probably two dozen times and the result has been the same every time. The first time they've gotten anywhere from 15 to 30 people and the second time one or two. So by distracting them, by yelling, by throwing stuff, can you say you saved a lot of lives? We were doing it half-heartedly because we didn't want to hurt Joe. But everyone give Joe a hand. He's a good sport. That was half-heartedly. I will tell you this now, that these cowards who come in to shoot people are not equipped to deal with confrontation. That is why over 50% of the time they will take their own lives when they hear the police coming because they don't even know what to do when the cops get there, so they kill themselves. They learn and train these things on their video games. They sit there at the video game and then they shoot people. They make these pretty graphic. I'm not saying to never play video games, but if you've got an unhealthy attraction or addiction to these video games, especially the, the violent ones, they will use this as their practice. But I guarantee you, no one ever came out of the TV and hit them with a Bible or threw something at them. They ain't used to their thing. They're so focused on one thing. They want to kill as many people as they can as quick as they can. Once you distract them and take that mindset off of them, you interrupt their whole thinking process and they can't react properly. That's why it's such an effective tool to have. I don't care if you got a hot cup of coffee, throw it in his face. I don't care if you just got a, a bunch of papers throw it in his face. Let him have to deal with papers flying all over. Anything to distract him. While he's being distracted, 
That might enable someone to take them down. You got to them? Right. When he came in the second time, you know, it's the first time he had kind of had a pattern. He just kind of went down and down and down. The second time, because of the distraction, it, it blew his whole pattern off. He didn't know who to point the gun at at that point anymore. And that one he got might not be the fatal shot anyhow because he's ducking and weaving. It might have been a leg, could have been an arm. Not that I want anyone to get shot, but if I get shot, I'd rather get shot in the leg than the chest. But it is a very effective tool in taking these people out. They're not equipped for it. This is a lockdown barricade. He's prepared for the attack. He has that mindset. If he's going to come through that door, I'm going to take him out. Before I get onto this slide, if you notice at, in the video, did that guy run all the way out in the hall when he heard the gunshots? And uh, God bless those teachers at Sandy Hook. They're heroes in my book. They did what they thought they needed to do, protect those kids. But the fatal mistake the principal and guidance counselor made is when he shot out the door, they left a position of safety, immediately ran into the hallway right in front of the gunman and got shot down. If you hear a noise, don't just run out. Check it out. We call it cutting the pie in the police field. If I'm coming out of the room, I'm cutting the pie. I'm taking it slow. I'm, I'm, I'm looking, looking, looking. He kind of did it there. He had a wall there, so he kind of, he didn't expose his whole body. But, you, but we've come conditioned today that we hear noises and we just disregard them. Oh, that's just some kids playing around in the back, you know. That's someone who slammed the locker. That's someone who dropped the book. We can no longer disregard what we hear. We should investigate and check it out. That's the one aspect we do not do at the churches, because we don't have control, is at the schools when we did it, we actually fired guns in the building. We fired blanks from a shotgun and a twenty-two. The people can hear the shots from a distance and hear the shots from outside the door. You want an eye opener? Smell the gunpowder from a 12-gauge shotgun come into the room. 
you hear the blast right outside your door. But some people never heard the sound of gunfire, so they don't know what it sounds like. For obvious reasons here, there's too many people around. I can't control the atmosphere, so I'm not discharging firearms, even blanks around the building. So we... <coughs> but remember, the shooter wants to kill as many people as possible in the quickest amount of time. He is looking for a rich target environment. He wants to find the room with the most people in it. I'm guessing on a Sunday morning, your sanctuary is probably the room with the most people in it, in your church. You may have some children's things going on, maybe a Sunday school, but the main sanctuary is probably going to be your room. You have what it takes to survive. We've talked about it. You have to be committed and act without hesitation. I don't know how many times I can go over that. And now is the time. What am I going to be able to commit to do? You already got some stuff up in your head here. We're going to go over some scenarios in a little bit to put some more database in your head to have some stuff to think back to. And you're going to do whatever is necessary to protect your life and the lives of your students, your congregants. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. This is some tough reality, people. Are you committed to the point you're willing to lay down your life to protect others? I'm not asking for answers. That's something you have to come up with deep inside yourself. That's between you and God. I can tell you I am. I have been for 25 years. I'm one of those guys who run the gunfire, who run into the dangerous situation. But that's me. I can't tell anyone here that you have to do that or you should do that. That's something you have to decide on your own. It says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. To me, I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm a police officer because God wants me to be a police officer. I don't have time to share my testimony on how I even got to be a police officer, but it's a one in a thousand odd that I got on where I got on. So I know it's God's doing, not mine. Now we're going to talk a little bit about police response. Some churches may have a security team. And that's up to your church if you have a security team. But if you do, you should have your guidelines and plans on how you're going to respond. 
if they're from police departments, they're going to basically utilize those. I'm the only police officer in my church. If something were to happen, I'm falling back on what the guidelines are for me in my proper use of force policy. It's consistent with the Ohio law. Basically, if human life is systematically, actively, and presently being taken, it is my sworn duty to end the killing. So if you've got any police officers attending your churches, it's their sworn, sworn duty to stop the killing. They should be taking action. If you know you've got police officers and you're the head pastor in that, maybe you should be pulling them aside and talking to them and making sure he's on the right page with you and make sure everyone's on the same page. But the police will follow the sounds of gunshots, screams, available intelligence, and utilize all force necessary to end the killing. We will bypass everything and everyone, alive, wounded, or dead, to confront the killer. It's one of the hardest things we had to teach our officers. As I told you, someone is dying every few seconds. I do not have the luxury to stop to see if someone's okay or to pull them aside. Because it takes me 15 seconds to do that, that could be two more lives that he's taken out in a rich environment. We understand that. Our officers understand that. I know if I go in and my team's with me and we're going in to get the killer and he takes me down, I do not expect my officers to stop and comfort me or take care of me. I know they have a job to do. Stop the killer. Because until we stop the killing, more people are going to die by every second. Hopefully they'll give me a word of encouragement as they step over me and say, we'll be back for you, Lee. Hang in there. We're going to go get the killer. But I fully expect them to bypass me. It's come up, well, what about children? It's heartbreaking. I can't tell you the answer. I just know the police are going to bypass them. Because as heartbreaking as it is that that one kid's laying there, I don't know if he got in the children's hall and there's going to be 20 other kids dead if I don't get there to stop them. So we've got to stop the killer as soon as possible. It's our sole and primary responsibility. We will not focus on anything else until that is done. Your encounters with us. Remain calm. Put down any items you have in your hands. Raise your hands, spread your fingers. Remember before... We want to shift through you people as quick as possible so we can get to the killer. Avoid quick movements. Avoid pointing, screaming, yelling. Again, it's going to be very chaotic right there. I don't know people going like that. He went that way and making a gesture like a gun, catching it out of the side of my eye. I don't know what's going on. I want wide open hands right in front where I can focus. You want to tell me where he's at? You don't need to point. You can just say he's, he's back by the, the kitchen. He's back by the cafeteria. He's by the front office. Go in the direction the police officers came in. If you see us coming in the main hallway, that's probably the safe direction to leave because we've probably already cleared that and make sure there's no threat in that hallway. 
You may be padded down. You might be secured in place. We may direct you to an evacuation point. You might get interviewed. There's going to be a wave of law enforcement coming. There's a contact team that's going to go in to stop the killer. There's going to be another perimeter team outside the building. They may be patting you down just to make sure the killer isn't trying to blend in now to, for an escape route. That happened in Colorado at the movie theater shooting. He had an escape route in mind. He shot a bunch of people. He went to an escape route. It was blocked. The police were already there. He tried to re-enter the theater and pose as a customer. Luckily, people knew who he was and identified him, pointed him out to the police, and he was arrested. But it is a viable action that they might drop the gun and come running and screaming out like they're an innocent victim. That's why we're going to interview people, give it a description. Once the active shooter has been stopped, then we'll focus on evacuation. This says Lorraine County Sheriff's Office because that was the jurisdiction over Clearview Church, but it'll most likely be done by whatever agency has jurisdiction on where your church is. They will remove all persons from the building, but they're going to consider it still hostile just in case that person's posing again. Or there was a second one who chickened out that we might not know about. But we'll go room by room and evacuate the building. If you're in a room, remain there until we come get you out. I don't care if you barricade yourself in the room and I gotta slide my ID under the door. You stay in that room till you're convinced it's the police and it's safe to come out. We've had that question come up. Well, how do I know it's not the shooter saying, all clear, come on out. Stay in the room till we prove it. I'll give you my name, my badge number. Go call the Strongsville Police Department and verify my name and badge number. Here's my ID, I'll slide it under the door. I don't care what I got to do to convince you that it's the police and safe, but I'd stay in the room till I'm convinced. But we will come and get you. Again, raise hands, keep hands visible, avoid quick movements. We might be moving you out of the building. Some things to remember. Who remembers fire alarm drills? What were we trained to do? Anyone? Line up, lead in an orderly fashion. We all got up, we all walked to the door, we all walked to the exit, we all walked outside. Jonesboro, Arkansas, two kids set the fire alarm off and went in the wood line. And when all the kids come marching out in an orderly fashion, like good little kids were trained to do, they picked them off one by one. I'm not saying do ignore fire alarms but think do I smell smoke do I see fire do I hear people yelling and screaming there's a fire proceed cautiously 
Am I still going to line up? Am I still going to go out by the door? But before I go out the door, am I going to look out? Am I going to be in condition yellow, maybe condition orange, and be aware of my surroundings, maybe look out and scan the parking lots to make sure there's not an ambush? Maybe have one person go out and check it out further before you just take all these people out at once. Just something to think about. It's going to be, you name it, everything could be going on. Fire alarms could be going off, sprinkler systems, yelling, screaming, explosions, shot fired. Columbine, there was a foot of water in the school. They set all the sprinkler systems off. They had big, big plans for Columbine that failed. They had explosive devices all over. One thing they learned is don't buy cheap watch parts from China because they were made out of plastic and not metal, and it did set off the timer on the bomb. We will be armed with guns. It's not fun looking down the wrong side of a, a gun, but they will be pointed at you. We will be coming in with everything we got. It could be a handgun, it could be a shotgun, it could be a rifle. But as long as you do what you're told and you don't pose a threat to us, we're going to bypass you. We're not here to hurt anyone innocent. We're here to stop the killer. Don't forget, you may have to take action. I'm not saying this is your first option or only option. For those of you who missed the first half, this would basically be your last option, but if there's no other option to do, you're going to have to take action. You're going to act aggressively. You're going to throw items. You're going to improvise weapons. You're going to yell and commit to your actions. You saw firsthand right here what that did. That was half-heartedly. We went from 20 people shot to one. Now just imagine, Joe, if those were real books. Those are just foam stuff pads. Imagine if you're throwing really real books and cups and chairs at them. Okay, we're going to cover some scenarios now. Uh, class participation time. This is Clearview Church. It's amazing what you can find on the internet. Got a picture, got a picture. If I can do it, I guarantee any bad guy in the world can do it. I'm not the most computer savvy person around. So there we are, Clearview Church in Columbia Station. <coughs> There's our nice little building. And there's a rough sketch of what our building looks like inside. I wish I could tell you a five-year-old drew that for me, but that's actually my handwriting, sorry. <laughs> so here we are at church. That's looking out our main hall out to the parking lot. You're just going to have to kind of vision this. Most churches are probably somewhat similar. You have a main entryway, you have a parking lot. So we know where we are. 
What are you going to do? I didn't hear one yell, good! Sound the trumpet! You're going to lock the doors. If he's outside, you don't want him getting inside. You're going to do whatever you got to do. We got windows on that side of the building. If you got windows, you want to make sure the people by the windows can move and get away from the windows. You don't want a stray shot coming in. Our, we have a big kitchen. It's all brick and mortar. It's the safest room in their church. This back room here is our children's hall. I put that in because we can either take our kids in these rooms or bunker down. Say you arrived to church 15 minutes late that day. You come pulling around in your car and you see someone shooting. What's your option? Run them over. You got a 4,000 pound bullet. Yeah, I say this because you got to put that up in your head and say, Am I capable of running someone over with my car? Be sure what you see is real and what's going on. The problem we have today is these kids play so realistically. And they have toy guns that look so real. And they'll be running around shooting each other. And they'll be yelling and screaming and falling down like they got shot. So be sure what you're seeing is actually an active threat. If you've got kids or grandkids, do us a favor and tell them not to play like that. It's a very real thing. We don't need to be... We have a split-second decision to make as police officers. I can't tell you how many times we've gone and kids have had BB guns that look so real. It's amazing that our officers had the discretion to not shoot them. Because they're just walking around, pointing them around, doing whatever they want. Okay, picture yourself, we're in our lobby now. Could be your church, could be any church. You're in your lobby of your church. What are you going to do? I don't think the children's hall heard you yell, gun. Let's hear it. Gun! gun! There you go. You've got to sound the trumpet. You've got to let people know. You've got to rally the people. There's three reasons I have people yell gun. First one, it causes you to breathe. Because in stressful situations, you tend not to breathe, and then you freeze. So if you've got to yell, you're breathing. Second is you are alerting the people around you that there's a problem. They have options. This is in the, the lobby. I'm the children's pastor, and I hear that. I got options. And third, it's to bring that inner rage up. I mentioned it. You got to get angry, people. Someone's coming in here to kill you and your family. 
So if you yell, you bring that up. Gun! I'm angry! Not today! You're not going to do it! Then what are we going to do? We alerted everybody. Shout it out. Clear the doors? You're going to clear the area? You can start your barricading? You can contain them to the lobby? All the people in your sanctuary, all your people in your back rooms are safe. Now he's in the building, so it's, you can choose to evacuate. If you've got a safe passage out, you can evacuate. Now, if he's right by this door, you've got to be careful leaving this door or this door because he can just step out and have a line of sight at you. So if I'm evacuating out of that door, I'm doing so very quickly, and I'm looping very quickly around a position of cover or concealment. And no, I'm not driving my car through the front doors and taking them out this time. <laughs> but if I am here shooting like this, can I see this gentleman behind me? What can that gentleman now do to me relatively safely? He can take me out. It just might be your day that you're in that right spot at the right time, that you can just take them out and end it right there. You're going to hit them as hard as you can. You're going to drive them through the floor. Huh? Well, that's the decision you make. Once you commit, you're committing 100%. If I'm this close, even if I hear him getting up, by the time I turn around, he should be hitting me. And then he should be joining him. He was talking about some doors are electronic, so you can't really lock them. I will get into it. There's a bunch of options. I'll show you how you can just bind a door up. So if, even if you don't have doors that lock, I can still bind a door up to make it difficult for a person to get through. Uh, if you didn't make the first session, we talked about barricading the doors. So like the doors to the sanctuary, you're going to throw all kinds of chairs, tables, whatever you've got. Right, but we'll, we'll, go, we'll cover that. All right, last one. Here you are, right in the middle of the sanctuary. Then what are you going to do? Throw stuff at them. Some people could evacuate. You yelled gun loud enough, you sounded the trumpet. So now the people in the back know to lock down. So that's why it's important to really scream it out. Yep. You can evacuate the church. 
And some churches, you play the sermon in the back of the, no, you, you can hear the pastor in the back of the church. They got it on video. And they'll hear it. Just depends how your church is set up. Again, don't forget about windows to evacuate. If you need to get out, and your only way out is through a window. Now, these, our kids in the nursery, they can lock these doors, but they got a secondary escape route if they need it. And it's right through the window. Same with the office. Same in the children's hall. And again, if you've got the opportunity to take them out, you're going to take them out. Now, that whole sanctuary could have been filled with people. The people immediately around them is going to take the action. Everyone else has a job to do. You're going to work as a team. You're going to be helping people evacuate. You're going to help your kids and your elders evacuate. Here's some additional options, what you talked about. you got U-shaped door handles. I can simply tie a belt around them. I just lock that door up. Same with your front door. You look here, if you've got those little arms, same thing. I can put a belt around it. That arm can no longer expand, and that door can no longer be opened. So I don't need locks. You got the panic bars? Throw a chair in there. I just locked that door up. Now, he can break the window out, and he can finally push the chair out. But that's taking him time. That's giving you time to evacuate, to lock down. It's given us time to arrive. Uh, here's a church. They got the little doors. They made a little device out of metal. They just slap it right on there. They hang it up next to the door. Nobody knows about it, but their security staff and ushers and that. They know they need to lock that door down. Just poop, and the door's locked. Because most churches' doors are wide open during church. We don't keep people out. And some doors. That's a school. Not how quick you can lock them up. Now again, as these people are dealing with the intruder, you got other people. They threw some tables, set up some barricades, block line of sight. They're helping people evacuate out of the back. So everyone's working together. Two quick videos, and we'll wrap it up here. Okay, watch this guy right here. Oh, hold on. Press the wrong button. Condition, yeah. You see something wrong about that guy? It was Mother's Day parade last year in New Orleans. 
He's shooting. Look at these people right here. Any of them doing anything about it? Watch over here on the step. That big guy just ran over that little kid. Self-preservation mode. He wasn't prepared for anything. That's how an untrained response is. That first guy over there actually watched him pull the gun. You can see him. He looks like this, and the guy's pulling a gun. He's looking at it. He comes right up next to him and holds the gun. He's two feet away. You think he would just grab that arm and pulled it down so he couldn't fire into the crowd? 22 people got shot that day. Or 22 people got injured. This is an old one. But this is how to react. I just got, yeah! There's another guy, watch his little buggy ride. I don't know where that third guy came from. But there was a guy who wasn't going to take any chances. He don't know where that guy was shooting or when he's going to turn and face the crowd and start shooting the crowd. I'm taking him out. His back's to me, I'm going to take him out. The second guy... We watched that a bunch of times, and we're convinced he knew there was bollards and his kid was going to drift safely to a stop, but he was there. This is my house. I'm taking care of my house. You're not going to hurt my kid. I'm, I'm jumping in. We have no idea where the third guy came from. Some witnesses heard him yelling, yippee-ki-yay, and he just come. He, he's one of those guys. He's wired. He's getting in it. He don't care where. But a a trained response, you're going to have a survival reaction, survival mindset. You're going to recall what you learned today. You're going to win. You're going to have a weekend do this. Untrained, you're going to panic. You're going to freeze. You're going to be in shock. You're going to be the sheep. I'm going to skip these. We're coming down to time here. Uh, this just shows the federal government has now taken the threat to our churches so serious that they have already issued their own book and guide for developing high-quality emergency operations for houses of worship. They see this coming down the road as well. They're jumping on the wagon. And I'll leave you with Paul's warning to the church. It says, keep watch over yourself and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. You guys, you're all shepherds of your church now. You need to protect your flock. You and I are the solution. I wish I had Superman t-shirts to give you all. You're all supermen now.
I'll take some questions. There's my contact information if you need it. If you have any questions that come up afterwards. I uh, just want to thank you for taking the time and the effort to learn about this. And if you do have any questions, feel free to ask me now. Yes. The church would have to give permission. I mean, it would probably go through the pastor and the board if they're going to allow CCW permit holders into the building. And if they want to allow that, they can take their signs down forbidding firearms in the building. Uh, we had our question at the break about only wanting certain people. Again, that is strictly up to the board and the pastor and who they want to allow. They can leave the signs up knowing that two or three people will be armed. Uh, if you have off-duty police officers, uh, you know, we can be armed in the building. If you just got CCW permit holders, that's up to the board. But they can uh, give permission for that. I don't think there's no formal notification to the state. It's just... You know, if someone comes in to say, did you know so-and-so has a gun? Yeah, we, we give them permission to have a CCW permit holder. You know, if I was the pastor or the board, I'd, I'd want to know who those people are and be confident that they're equipped enough to make wise enough decisions. Because I mentioned earlier, they don't have the training and background as a police officer, and these are split-second decisions sometimes. And it's nothing to get the CCW permit holder, but the training requirements to get one is minimal. It's like 16 hours. You shoot a target, you take a test, and you, they give you a gun. They don't do weapon retention. They don't do shoot, don't shoot, judgment stuff. So I, I just, you know, I would make sure who I'm going to let carry a gun into my church. If that's what we're going to do is that they're qualified and you know, not going to jump to rash decisions because... Once you allow that into your church, you're also assuming liability. I mean, there's uh, Alice's out there. It's a real common one. It's an hour-long training. Uh, I mean, there's different level courses. You just have to look online. If you go to IS907, it's a FEMA course. It's an online course. You can have your guys go through that. It gives you some basic background on basically what we taught today, you know, to evacuate, hide, or attack, you know, if you have to. And they get a certificate. You get continuing education credits if they need it. Yes, sir.
solitary. And someone can come through the back door, and before he ever gets up to get his solitary out, something's happening already. It's about our church and every individual in our church being active and responding to the action. Because, you know, it, it's, about, it's about that first lady grabbing that chair and wrapping it over his head because she's close enough to him instead of standing there freezing. That's the thing you want to teach the church is we need to act. We need to yell. We need to, because the minute you scream, it causes them to have to think. They have to start looking. The more chaos you can make, the less it's going to, he's going to be able to, he or she's going to be able to respond to. Having a concealed carry weapon is there, that's great. But who's, who's to say he's going to get it out in time to even do anything? It's the fact that us around them, if, if, he's, if he's the perpetrator and we're here, we need to do something first. That's the issue uh, as far as the church is. That's what I, I, I look for today. I'm sorry. Thank you. I would strategically place them. But as Pastor Jim said, just because they have guns doesn't mean it. I will more likely go hands-on than try to draw my weapon if it's a close atmosphere. Because the time it takes for me to go and get my weapon, two people could have been shot. If I can hit them with a chair quicker than I can draw my weapon, I'm going to hit them with a chair. Weapon's nice if it's outdoor scenario, you hear some shots outdoors and you're locking down and you got some officers or someone with some weapons who can now form a perimeter, have their weapons ready. If he's going to try to come in, we're going to take them out with our guns then. we got time to react. But if it's something right here and now, forget the weapons. We're going to go hands-on. It's not a bad idea. Have them in different areas. Maybe have a couple in the back, so if there is something going on in the hallway, they can investigate and be equipped to do so. But your weapon's really going to be your secondary option at this point, especially in a large crowd. Yes, sir. I just call them. You know, every police department is going to be different. I can't respond to how your police department is going to respond. I can guarantee you, when we have offered this training to all the churches in Strongsville. We've done all our schools. We've done businesses. We're doing our daycares. We have offered it to our churches, our businesses. I know in the city of Strongs, if you just call up and say, no, we'd like to know this, or we'd like to, to, an officer to swing by and talk to us about some things, we're going to have an officer there. I would believe most police departments would do that. So I'd just call them and go, who do I need to talk about about setting an officer up? to give us, you know, come to a board meeting and maybe talk to us about 
some options we might have in an active shooting uh, situation or something like that. Most police departments are going to respond positively and try to get someone there to help you out. One more question and we got to end this. Go ahead. That's it. Yes. Because we've done some ideas that uh, had a, a trainer from Police Academy, Columbus Police Academy, coming in. We have a recruiting team here, but he wasn't to tell us. If, if you're interested, if you're, excuse me, if you're interested and you want uh, Officer Wolverine to help in some way, please come up, meet him, talk with him afterwards. Uh, I don't want to get yelled at by Pastor John for running this late. Yeah. The one thing I want you to grasp a hold of here for me is. Sometimes we walk around with these on, and we, we need to have them wider so we can see what's happening and be, be ready to respond. Uh, uh, thank you, uh, Sergeant Colgrove, for doing this. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being a part. Uh, we wish and hope the best for you. Lunch is being served. Go have